Hello, everyone. This is Frank Riker. And this is Darren Sands. And this is the Slaughter Lamb Podcast. How's everybody doing? Darren, what have you been up to? I've been watching plenty of movies this week. We're still in lockdown here. Lockdown's still going on. We've got quite a lot of snow. It's been snowing now for, wow, about 36 hours non-stop it's not really settling but you know it's good to see snow because we never get it around this point so i've just kind of been vegging a little bit and catching up on some movies i caught one movie on shudder the other night called the queen of black magic mm. which i really recommend it's uh, it's an indonesian horror it's a little bit of a slow burn for the first half hour but when it kicks in it really goes for it and it basically involves a family who go back to the orphanage where the where the dad was brought up. He takes the kids there to meet uh, some other of the kids that were there when he was a kid. And the, the owner of the orphanage is kind of on his last legs. And so they go to see him pay their respects. Uh, on the way there, they get, uh, they hit something by accident. And turns out it's one of the kids from the orphanage that they've hit in the street. Uh, and nearby where the kid's been hit, um, there's a bus full of dead kids so the kids from the orphanage are on a day trip and they've all been killed um Jesus christ and i'll leave it at that but it really it's a supernatural thing it, it's incredibly scary incredibly gory and some great performances from some of the some of the younger kids in it yeah you you should check it out because it really goes places you don't expect and although it's subtitled i, I must say that I, it didn't bother me whatsoever because there's so much atmosphere in it that it's uh, it's well worth a watch and then the other film that i watched which i think we both watched over the weekend was neil marshall's new film the reckoning yeah the reckoning okay i thought it was all right I, it's not his best film neil marshall of course did dog soldiers the descent doomsday and some of the sort of bigger more let's say trickier episodes of game of thrones like the battle of the bastards and such it's okay it's what did you think it sean pertwee does a he he always does a great job for those who know who don't know who he he is he's been in a lot of marshall's movies uh recently he's been alfred in uh, gotham he's uh doctor who's son his dad was the famous john pertwee who Still played, also played. No, he died. Really? He's done, when? Yeah, he died, year? he died years ago. No, he's been dead like twenty years. Ah, I thought I just saw him <laughs> in a Doctor Who series. No, 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 he's been dead a long time. Um, he also played a great British TV favorite of mine called Wurzel Gummidge, mm. which was a which was a scarecrow that uh, walked and talked. But anyway, yeah, the reckoning. It's it's it the of, parts are long, right? There, there's some parts that didn't really need to be in there. Yeah, it's kind of, it's at the end of the plague, there's a couple and her husband catches the the plague and decides to, rather than give it to his wife and kid, he kills himself. And she gets harassed by her landlord um, after he's died, who kind of, she's struggling to pay the rent and he says, well, we can come to some arrangement. And she kind of spurns him, doesn't she? She kind of gives him the elbow and says that, you know, I don't want to get involved in any of that. And so he basically tells everybody that she's a witch. Uh, and they call the Witchfinder General in, which is Sean Pertwee. So they take her to trial, torture her. It was pretty tough, some of those torture sequences, weren't they? Yeah, and, but we're also, we're also wondering about what's happening to her, her daughter. Uh, yeah. She's this innocent, you know, infant. And uh, the, the landlord, the one who owns this, the, the squire, as they were calling him, uh, which is, I guess, the, the aristocratic title, 
That that guy, uh, I forgot his name, but he's Duncan from Last of the Mohicans. That's that That's actor. Right. Yeah, I thought I'd seen him before. Yeah, and you know, it's basically almost a revenge type movie. And uh, but it was it was decent. You know, it it's definitely better than Nick uh, Nicholas Cage's. Uh, Caesar of the Witch and also Vin Diesel's Witch Hunter. I mean, this, oh, yeah, the reckoning is yeah. actually a lot better. It just takes a long time coming. There's, there's some kind yeah. of relentless scenes of torture and things like that. And there's one particular fantastic gore sequence. It seems to be in there just for the sake of it. There's no real... You'll see it when you see it, folks. But it, there's just this amazing gore sequence which has no kind of... Doesn't offer anything to the plot or anything no. like that. No, it's just fanfare, um, you know. It's like yeah, yeah. Meal, yeah. You know, let's do something. It's but uh, Like an afterthought. What I could tell you which is better movie than that is the movie I watched over the weekend called Bloody Hell. <laughs> that movie was fun. It was fun. I've not heard of it. Is this uh, a new one? It's an it's a um, Australian film set in Finland, the U.S. and Finland. Right. It it, <laughs> it deals with a Iraqi veteran who is a hero. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we go. So we've got Australians, Finns, and Iraqis. Okay. Uh, uh, he's, uh, he was in the Iraqi war. He's a veteran. Uh, okay. His pet penguin. No, I'm just, uh, I'm just fooling you with a pet penguin. Um, <laughs> someone on a giraffe. Yeah, someone on a giraffe. <laughs> uh, he basically is a hero and botched a bank robbery, but unfortunately, a innocent bystander gets killed and he gets sent away to prison. He's had enough of the life uh, he's been living in, this, in the States, so he decides to spitball on a map. Three spitballs in a row, he winds up in Finland, where he's caught, hostile style, or you know, oh. taken style. Uh, because really? he's a celebrity, he, that's why he wants to leave. So basically, they are gonna feed him to their monstrous son, but he gets helped with, with one of the female uh, family members who help him escape and he gets his revenge on the family that abducted him and is this um english language or is yeah english language uh subtitles you know are in the finnish uh but it gets it's mostly english but the problem is is if anyone if i could put it in any terms imagine hostile if mr brooks got caught kevin coster and where uh, can we find this that i found i i think it's a netflix and people were saying he's like John Wick. Imagine John Wick got caught. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm um, going to look this up now. Yeah. And it's a new film, is it? It's new. It's, it came out last yeah. year at the end tail end. Yeah. And I watched Tombstone on Saturday as well, which um, I'd forgotten how good it was. And the cast, the cast is amazing. It's huge. What a what a cast. I was going to say that leads us into, you know, smoothly into Big Trouble in Little China, I guess. I was going to say uh, that, yeah. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There's a hidden world called Little China. What's going on here? Is this some kind of magic? The darkest magic. It's where Big Trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! You make one move. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. How are you going to spring us? I have no idea.
Big Trouble Little China is what we're talking about today, folks. Darren, that started out as a Western, right? That's what it was going to be. Yeah. Um, when Carpenter first got the script, when he was asked to make the film, it was a, it was a Western. And uh, he uh, had them do a rewrites on it. We ended up with San Francisco Chinatown. When did you first see Big Trouble Little China? I was thinking about this the other day, and I can't remember if I saw it in the theatres, because I don't think it was in theatres for very long in the UK, if at all. I think I saw it on VHS. I, I really do. I think I, th- I think I saw. I don't think I've ever seen this movie in, in a movie theater. But having said that, it's not suffered for it at all because I adore it. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and I think it's one of John Carpenter's best movies and Kurt Russell as well. Looking into this over the last week or so, you can see that all those involved in it had an absolute blast and and loved being part of this film and it was quite a troubled shoot as well Carpenter was getting a lot of um, pressure from various different groups that weren't happy with the way that he was portraying people in it and he kind of rose above all of that and as he says in the documentary (laughs) fuck him it's the the movie that killed his relationship with studios in Hollywood it it is really because I mean nowadays when you release a movie you, you spend sometimes the same amount as the movie cost on the marketing. And what Fox forgot to tell him was that they had a cap on their marketing spends. And so they only spent three million marketing the movie. (laughs) America's a big place. That's only gonna get you so many, um, you know, double page spreads in the daily newspapers or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was was a disaster and, and, it cost 25 million to make back in 1985 and only took 11 million globally. I think it had something like a 2 million opening weekend, which is a travesty. But it was certainly rushed, though. It was rushed because what's the film that they wanted to beat to the theaters? They almost kind of had the same, you know, I, I would, I'm going to put the same tone almost. Same tone, same cast, even. <laughs> because Victor Wong, who plays Egg Shen, and um, and James Hong, who plays Lopan in this, were both in The Golden Child. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so Fox and Paramount were fighting against each other to get their movie out first. And, um, and both of them were flops. So, you know, it, it was it, it didn't work out well for either of them. But um, I just think it's an absolute shame. Listening to Kurt Russell talk about it, he said that at the press junkets before the film was released, they screened the film to the press. And he said he'd never had so many people compliment him on a movie before. Some of the journalists were even turning around and saying what's it like to be in the biggest film of the year? Because they were so confident it was going to be that big. Do you know the other movie that was released uh, around the same time? I will do, where I can't think of it off the top of my head. (laughs) Aliens. Oh, Aliens, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Aliens was a blockbuster. Anything that goes up, anything movie that they, they knew that if they went up against that movie they were like uh we can't we're not gonna be able to win but i i think you know big trouble little china is is more of a cult classic maybe now than aliens is aliens is is a great movie but i think people have more fun with big trouble in little china For i sure. see more people wear a shirt that says all aboard pork chop express you know than a picture of an egg <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know. true. That's true. I mean, the alien universe has its own following for sure. But um, 
Uh, I think, you know, of the two movies, I love both of the movies, but I think for me, Big Trouble in Little China definitely has the edge because there's no fat on this film whatsoever. The tempo of it is just incredible. It just rockets along. The only one bit that does jar, and I've never really known why, and I found out why today, as a matter of fact, is the opening scene. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about that opening scene. That that opening scene wasn't supposed to be in there. No, it was a, it was a reshoot. The, the head of the studio at the time watched the movie and was so disappointed with it because he just didn't get the idea that Kurt Russell could be such a, a failure at everything. Because when you think about it, the, the star of the movie is actually um, uh, Wang Chi. Yeah, Dennis Dunn, Wang Chi. Who was supposed to be uh, Jackie Chan. Oh, was it really? I didn't it was know supposed that. To be, he was, he, they, uh, John wanted Jackie Chan, but they said, you can't understand them. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, so they picked Dennis Dunn, and you know, and Dennis Dunn did a couple movies later on with with John. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Jackie Chan kicked off those pressure groups against John Carpenter for that. <laughs> you never <know>. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> the, the opening to me doesn't make much sense because you don't know who it is, where they are, and why they're why he's being interviewed. You know, the, the studio basically felt that Kurt Russell was a was a flop in the film and wasn't a hero at all. And so to kind of bolster the hero sentiment, um, they stuck in this kind of interview scene at the beginning with Egg Shen, where he's kind of paying tribute to Jack Burton. But he's kind of, he's almost talking like he's dead. (laughs) Yeah, I love that scene, you know, where he's the lightning's coming out of his hands and everything. And then throughout the movie, you don't see Egg Shen ever. You don't see any of that. Yeah, never, ever again. You know, yeah. which he could have just zapped low pan and been like, okay, you're done. Hat goes flying. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a, some dust that used to be low pan, some ash. I laughed I laughed at that scene because when he does that, if you look in the background, the the lady who was taking notes, the stenographer or the secretary, she fuck she's la- she's gone. <laughs> she's not there anymore. Is she laughing? She 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 left. Oh she's right, gone. okay. She ran off. She split. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would have thought would have been funny if she saw that and just grabbed her shit and just went out the fucking door. <laughs> yeah. Is Jack Burton, from what we know of this film, is he the hero? Um, I guess he is. I think he is. I mean, they all say Dennis Dunn's the hero, Wang Chi. Um, but I still think that, that Jack's the hero. But those great boots he has on? Well, not only that, but who kills Lopin? Jack. <laughs> he does. And one of the best Catches lines, the you know, knife and throw. Yeah. Goodbye, Mr. Button. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for Frank's cultural appropriation there. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> Imitations of, of, of flattery. It's a form of flattery, folks. And I'll say it again. <laughs> but yeah, so the story is basically uh, two friends going to the airport once he's given him a lift to co- to collect his girlfriend, um, who is called Miao Yin, who, weirdly enough, despite the whole film kind of revolving around her, doesn't have one line of fucking dialogue throughout. <laughs> she just sits and smiles. Whether she could speak English or, or, or not, I don't know. I've no idea. But she doesn't say a thing throughout. Um, so, so she's kidnapped. They even covered her mouth from speaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So she's kidnapped at the airport in this great kind of a sequence where these three guys take her and put her in the um, in, in the back of a car and 
Jack and Wang Chi start a pursuit after her. They, they start to realise that the reason why she's been kidnapped is that because her eyes are green. Creamy jade, as he calls them. And, uh, and who, who needs those eyes? It's Lopan, the sorcerer that's, what, over a thousand years old or something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he needs green eyes to sacrifice the, the woman uh, to appease the god that cursed them. So is the whole thing that as soon as he's married, the curse is lifted and he becomes young again? Or does he have to, like, consummate the marriage before that happens? Produce a kid? It's never fully explained. <laughs> well, whatever. I don't know. There's definitely, you know, he does have to spill her blood. Yeah, yeah. He becomes whole. She's cause she's originally supposed to be a sacrifice, but instead they're going to sacrifice who they later capture, Gracie Law. Yeah. Played Who's by Kit played- Patrol. Yeah, she's a journalist that gets kind of mixed up with the gang, as it were. Um, and goes along for the ride. And but she had green eyes. She had green eyes, but they were contacts. They were. When they put her in her eyes to get her um, shots going, wouldn't she tear for like 15 minutes? Yeah, they had to really time her shots because the contact lens... This is contact lens technology from the 80s, folks. Um, wasn't as good as what it is today. You can't just whip them in and whip them out, no problem. They were like all uh, glass these, and plastic. Yeah, they, yeah, these things were like ping pong balls cut in half. So I think it was a pretty painful uh, um, shoot for her because she was just they were just so uncomfortable for her throughout. But Carpenter just says she was a delight on set and that it said that she was really funny. But, you know, it's, it's, it seems that in later years she's not too popular with people. And you know what? And he didn't hook up with her on this film like he normally does with most of, his, <laughs> most of the stars. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of Carpenter's early films that he didn't get a marriage out of. (laughs) (laughs) Or alimony. I found her a bit of annoying, a little bit. I was in love with Kim Cattrall in the 80s. 80s, 80s? Well, this was it. As a a young lad, I saw her first in Mannequin. uh, And I just thought, oh, crikey, she's absolutely gorgeous and she was she was terrific in that film i mean the film now when you watch is fucking pish but um when while i saw it i I think i was probably i don't know 12 13 when i first saw it coming into i thought she was i thought she was great and then not long after that i discovered her in porkies (laughs) and then police academy and you know all that kind of stuff from then onwards but I, I like Kim Cattrall. She's English, you know. She's from Liverpool. Scouser. Um, sure. And she's kind of, now that she's kind of, I think she lives back here now. She does a lot of theatre. Whenever you see her on um, any chat shows in the UK, she's kind of lost her accent totally. She was uh, filming, um, her schedule was a little messed up while filming this because she was actually doing theatre work. She would take those contacts out, be done with her shoot, and then go to the theatre. Because that's what she loved. She loved theatre work. She, she's she's beautiful in this movie. She is. She, you know, she's a little in the beginning. You know that abrasive. You know, it's only me, Gracie Law. You know, and, and <laughs> yeah. the uncle. You know, uh, uh, Wang's uncle. Yeah. He. Uh, you know, they'd be having that conversation. She would bust into the restaurant, and then like ten minutes later, he would say, "What is Gracie Law doing here?" I'm like, "Come on, uncle, keep up." You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, they've already left. What do you mean? What she's doing here? She came. You know, they had a conversation for 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think the, the his, uh, you know, Wang's uncle actually mattered in that movie. 
No, uh, no. surely well, there, the, there's a few characters that don't. And I, this is Eddie, the, right? Actually, Eddie, Eddie, I think, uh, yeah, Eddie. Uh, I don't know. But Margot, Kate, Burton, oh, she doesn't know. It's just, just along for the ride. It's just, just pointless. Her being there's a few. I think Eddie and Margot don't need to be there. You know, Jack and Wang Chi could have handled that themselves. It's just padding, isn't it? What did you think of the effects work, like uh, specifically rain, thunder, and lightning? Who people say are Mortal Kombat, the video game, ripped them off. Some of oh, I never, I never kind of made that connection before. Um, those, the three storms, yep. um, the fight in the alleyway with the, with the, with the, what are they called now? The the Chen Sings and the, I can't remember the two. There's two gangs that that end up yeah. having a fight during the a yellows and the reds session. The yellows <laughs> and the reds. They just got yellow and red bandanas on. It, that fight sequence is fantastic. Another shame for the UK uh, version of the movie for for many years that was trimmed r- right back was that sequence. Really? There's nothing yeah. to yeah. it. You know, there, there's, there's a few shots. There's there's is there one a sex shot. scene in there? No, no, no. There's there's not. There was just there was just a few things that they considered to be too violent for a 15 rated audience. Which to this day I'm a bit like. It's blink and you'll miss it stuff. So there's the bit where the guy has the two by four and the back of his head and the guy knees him in the face and it snaps. Uh, and there's also the bit where Al Leong, who is a stuntman in the 80s who you'd recognize from the likes every movie. of Die, every. every movie, Die Hard, all the Schwarzenegger films. Uh, he's a kind of mulleted Asian guy with the mustache. Um, he there's one bit when he kind of quickly chops somebody's chest up and throws them through a window, uh, and I think that was cut out as well. So we had to we had to wait a, a good few years before we saw the a decent uncut version of Big Trouble in Little China, unfortunately. But yeah, Al Leong, veteran, still alive now, I think. Yeah, yeah, he had a he had a stroke not too long ago. Yes, he did because I see them in in search of. No, it was in search of the last action heroes, mm-hmm. um, which a friend of mine, Ollie Harper, had directed. He's interviewed in that, and he's kind of looking a bit doddery now, bless him. But um, yeah, he's still around. Yeah, and he's very recognizable. Very recognizable. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially from the eighties. Yeah, I, I remember in that alleyway, which uh, as a kid, you know, uh, when my dad brought that on VHS, uh, I didn't get it too much as a kid. As when I got older then i started recognize the, the film was fun but those weapons that the three storms have you know one looked like it was a back scratcher spoon one was like spoons <laughs> <laughs> and and some kind of hel- helicopter propellers you know on, on, you know and all i see is i forgot who had the hands they're moving them back and forth oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and the, the um, knives come up and they flip over and they, they stab people with them you yeah, know, you didn't I, need to do that forward roll to throw a knife. <laughs> you know, but you would think they would just shock people. No one uses yeah. lightning on anybody in this movie. <laughs> Despite the opening scene clearly showing that they can as well. It's just like... <laughs> Not even to heat anything or jumpstart a truck. They don't use lightning. You know, they can't. <laughs> It's like it's like saying, uh, you know, I have a, the gun on my side here. I use to turn off lights. You know, uh, I don't use it to shoot anybody. But, but yeah, and then um, you know, James uh, James Hong, 
was David Lopez when we first meet him. You know, this big seven-foot guy. Well, I met him personally, and he's only maybe about 5'10", 5'9". He had those big platforms. Bigger than Dave. Yeah. (laughs) He's bigger than Dave. The towers over him. But not as big as Kane Hodder. Uh, He had 12-inch lifts. I mean, he he made those lifts uh, fashionable more than Prince. uh, But there's one scene where those lifts almost killed him really? if you rem- if you remember when they're going up the elevator or the escalator mm. into that big uh skull with the mouth yeah 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 that was actually filmed backwards uh, and okay james was not going up he's originally going down uh, and then i i talked to james i said how many times did you try not to die he goes oh that escalator what was fucking killed me because he's on these lifts and he's going backwards and his oh. head is almost hitting the top of that skull entry, because that that yeah, hat yeah, adds yeah. an extra you know foot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he and he's like the, those things were awful, you know. I, he says I can't move in them. I ba- he goes if you see me, I'm just standing still most of the time uh, while I'm doing action. And we we do see him. But all really, Lopan knows how to do really is turn old and turn young and uh, fondle people as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that as well until yeah. today. He has this whole oh, scene yeah. where he's he's kind of sort of remotely fondling women without actually touching it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just bizarre. He kind of sort of this image of him goes through the wall and then he's kind of rubbing his hands up and down without touching. But it's kind of a you know a PG thirteen grope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as an old man. You know, when he's yeah. wheeling around, he's like, oh, this stuff yeah. can really piss me off. You know, and everything. <laughs> you know, oh, I'll ski you alive. <laughs> and, and, and he's, That's a good impression. <laughs> and he's going around in this wheelchair and he's taking Gracie Law because she's been captured at this point. You know, and, and he's touching her kind of like, you know, Anna Nicole Smith's husband used to do. Oil tycoon. You know, these creepy hands and everything. And oh, yeah, the, t- the, t- the oil baron guy. Yeah, yeah. the old... Uh, forgot what his name was. I think he died in bed. Uh, <laughs> he, he, that's the only way he can physically touch some people is to be this, you know, thousand-year-old man. Some of the great effect works, you know, the the, uh, the lighting when he has to transform, he, his head basically explodes with light. That's great, you know, and he's, the light comes out of his eyes and his mouth. It was great for 1980 five or six or whenever it was but yeah no there, there's some really great sort of slapstick action sequences and mm-hmm. i think that you know the guys at the studio were probably expecting something different i think carpenter said that they wanted their version of indiana jones and they got jack burton which is this guy who can't fire a gun when he does shoot a gun he shoots the ceiling down and it knocks him out he spends most of the movie on his ass to be fair doesn't he <laughs> Slide it around. And after a while, um, he beats everybody up. He comes up at the last moment because he wants to make a grand entrance. <laughs> <laughs> so they were really pissed off that, that this character that they were really excited about and that was probably going to spawn some sort of franchise for them was a bit pathetic. But for me, I, I love it. I love the fact that Kurt Russell just throws himself into that role and as a leading man doesn't care about the fact that he's playing an action hero who can't do action because you, at that time it was the time of you know commando and rambo and everything else that was coming around those guys would never ever have done anything like that 
And so hats off to Kurt Russell for, you know, having fun with a role and taking the piss out of himself because that's what he does throughout this movie. Mm -hmm. It's a great performance and what a shame that Fox didn't see that and didn't kind of invest in it. He he loved this movie because he, he would tell everybody that he took it so seriously that he would he would run, he would work out because he knew he'd be in that tank top. Oh, he was really in shape. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he also said that he his famous line is that this is going to be a cult classic, which it has become. People have remembered his lines in this movie, I think, more than any other movie he's done. You know, yeah, just probably. tell him what old Jack Burton would say. Or he's, he's going into the uh, brothel, you know, being this foreigner, you know, geeky type guy. Well, man, there's raining cats and dogs out there, <laughs> you know. But he didn't say cats and dogs. He said dogs and cats. Dogs and uh, cats, yeah. And yeah. he actually, while well, filming that brothel scene, he actually had a fever. He was he was sick. Yeah, he was, he was really sick, wasn't he? Yeah, but he kept going. He believed in this movie so much. You and, can see uh, as well when you... Um, when you look at him in that scene, when he's laying on that kind of chaise lounge or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and he, you can see his face is all puffed and his eyes are watering and everything. Sweating. And it, it helps. Sweating. It helps that he's just coming from the rain, but I think he genuinely is really sick in that scene. You can see, and, and it's kind of reinforced on the commentary when he talks about it. it was, he, he said he was really ill. Was Kurt Russell the studio's first choice to be buried? I don't think so. Now, this I didn't know. I'm just looking here, Frank, to see if Kurt Russell was the studio's first choice to play Jack Burton. Alex Murray, if you're listening, Kurt Russell turned down the lead role of Highlander, Connor McLeod, to play Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China. Shit. (laughs) I never knew that. I never... That is fantastic. Oh, right, I've got it now. So there were two people, I've just... Sorry, folks, I'm looking this up on the fly, but there were two people that Fox wanted to play to play Jack Burton, and that was Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood. For fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's, let's, let me see if I could do an impression of those men in, <laughs> in, in this movie. So... Let me try to do... All right, this is going to be Jack Nicholson. Well, it, it sure is raining dogs and cats out there, ma'am. That doesn't sound... <laughs> or now Clint. Now he's up against Lopan at this point. Goodbye, Mr. Button. Go ahead. Make my day. <laughs> Does that sound... Do those two voices... No, no. It's just, they, it wouldn't have worked at all. And, they, and surely they were too old at that point as well. They I mean, 80, right? They're both in their 80s, aren't they now? And they were I think, 80 back then. <laughs> well, they would have been... How long ago is it now? 35 years ago? Yeah. So, yeah, they would have been... Late 40s, Mid 50s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mid 50s maybe. Uh, that's my maths. Not good. Late 40s, whereas Kurt Russell was in his early 30s. Yeah, yeah. It's the... Uh, yeah certainly met the physical demand but i can't understand why clint eastwood you know because maybe it was that western type because clint eastwood was, yeah. was it could have been that associated yeah. with westerns yeah. Uh, yeah but jack well i mean how would how would jack nicholson you know handle this i don't think he would ever do it because at that time he was a at that time wasn't he an academy award winner for uh cuckoo's nest in terms of in terms of endearment as well of, yeah yeah he was he yeah. wouldn't have done this he already proved this point with Hollywood. No, I can't. 
Could you imagine? Would he be carrying Axe all the way around this whole movie? (laughs) I can't see it. I honestly can't see it. Here's Jack. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. at that part where, you know, the, uh, the guys in the red bandanas, uh, <laughs> when they be, they're chopping down the door to get into, to get, you know, Jack and Wang, Jack Nicholson would have been doing it in the reverse, trying to get out to get to them <laughs> <laughs> with the axe. Uh, That's true. That's true. But yeah, Kurt Russell was absolutely the best pick for this. Yeah. I don't think the, the studio realized what they'd signed up for getting Carpenter and, Je- and Kurt Russell on board. I, th- I don't think that they realized that they were going to do it with its tongue firmly in its cheek. It's so intentionally campy, is the film. The way that Flash Gordon was campy, you know, those elaborate mm-hmm. costumes and sets and extravagant comedic set pieces almost. You know, like you look at the football fight compared to some of the sequences that you would get in Big Trouble in Little China, you know. Um, The final fight sequence, for instance, when people are flying into walls and Jack Burton's knocking himself out. There's there's a lot of similarities there, isn't it? It's opulent and really, uh, what's the word now? Slapstick. It's it's slapstick throughout. But it's also a a movie that's hard to put in its own genre, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's... Is it action horror? Is it comedy horror? The tagline on the release in the UK was a mystical action adventure comedy kung fu monster ghost story. I think that that would turn me off. (laughs) I think it'd turn the world off. (laughs) But the poster's fantastic, isn't it? It is. It's a great piece of work. Although Kurt Russell doesn't like it. He says he he can't see himself in there. He said, so you had a film... With a tagline that, that confused people, with it, with a, an image, an image of him that that no one recognised. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Kurt Russell in that picture when I sure. when I look at it. He yeah. doesn't see it. I, I see, I see, you know, James Hong. I see David Lopan in it. You know, I see the yeah. Pork Chop Express. I see all that stuff. We can't go without talking about Richard Edlund and the creatures that are in this. Mm. Um, the Wild Man. You know the. The big bug that comes out of the side of the, uh, <laughs> you know, out of the side of the, the moat or lake, whatever it is, the river. You know, they did. They've done work on Raiders of the Lost Ark, Poltergeist, Ghostbusters, Fright Night. Quality work, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I think the mo- the mon- what do they call the monster? The His name's Pete. Sunning. Pete is that his name? The that, thing it, that was on the, the on the truck at the end. The one yeah, that that's crazy. <laughs> it's, you know, that, yeah, yeah, that monster is Gracie Law. It's Kim Cattrall. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the graphic novels, because, of course, we all know this doesn't have a sequel, which I would love to have seen a sequel. But, of course, what we just talked about, there wasn't the need or the budget or the interest. Uh, he becomes Jack's pet. And basically, and he's he's taken off from the wild man of china that's he that's what he is um and jack calls him pete so this is in what a a graphic novel or something yeah the graphic novels the comics you know his name Mm. is pete and the reason why he's attached to jack is because lopan's dead and he has no master okay so he goes to the person who killed lopan he follows jack around now that ending does not give you that indication that he's going to be his friend it's almost like you know i'm going after you for revenge yeah, so yeah. The comic books square that up, and I remember there's one part in the the comic book where 
Jack says, I looked at him and I'm going to call him Pete. And every time he picked his nose, I could see the souls of torment scream. <laughs> Physically. Because <laughs> every time Excellent. he picked his nose, people would, you would hear screaming. The tortured soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's the most memorable monster in that movie. And I didn't get that, you know, that, what is it, that, that flying turd was a guardian? <laughs> All the eyes around them. The thing everything. with the eyes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it was certainly a great concept. What he sees, Lopan knows. And Jack just shoots him. He flies away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they should have invested more creatures, but maybe they only had the budget for those three. The one that yeah. comes out of the wall when it's, uh, you will come out no more. That one that comes out and, and eats the guy. Um, that looks like a glove puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and the legs come up like they were, they're dummy legs. You know, they just... Yeah. And, and, but but Jack, had the, Jack had the greatest line, you know, saying, what won't come out? <laughs> You know, and I like characters like that in movies. Those those characters are like, you know, oh, what the fuck now? You know, this the hystericalness of yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what Jack was. Everyone in Chinatown knew of David Lopan. They knew of what he was. They knew, you know, he him as a demon sorcerer. Uh, except for Jack. Jack's like, who the hell is this guy? He took my truck. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing he wants back. So this, so this was the, what was it, the fourth collaboration with Carpenter? Yeah. Well, they'd done Elvis. Yep. They did... Escape. Escape from New York. The Thing. And Big Trouble in Little China. And then they ended on um, Escape from L.A. Yeah. Which, I think there's unfinished work there. I, I can't see that. Such a, um, you know, a duo as Kurt, Kurt Russell and John Carpenter. The, the quality of the movies that they've, they've brought to the screen. I honestly don't want to think that the last time that they will work together is fucking Escape from L.A. And we just heard in the last week that Carpenter is working on some scripts. Could he be wanting to do something to close things off with Kurt Russell? With Fox? (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily mean a Big Trouble in Little China film, but just a film. Do you think that they've got one film left in them? They should. I mean, Kurt is always working. And he's still in yeah. great, phenomenal shape. There was that thing where they, uh, where he put on his outfit, uh, his original outfit from Escape from New York, in the one from Escape from LA, and it still fit him. Yeah, yeah. What does that say? Uh, I'm not sure him? he's going to fit in it now. I don't no. know if you've seen him. Really. No, no. <laughs> but, but would you like to see another collaboration? Before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and let me ask you this. Would you like to see a sequel to this? Or do you think it's now? too much of a gamble? I, now, I don't think a sequel to this now would work necessarily. I do think Kurt Russell's too old. If you were to say The Thing and Kurt Russell in a Thing sequel, that's different because you could do that quite nicely because mm-hmm. a lot of the cast around him in the original Thing were the same age as what Kurt Russell is now. So that could be, you know, a, a, an option. I'm worried that The Rock's still going to get his way and make his... He's been going on about it for years that, that he's going to make Big Trouble in Little Channel. Just, just fucking stay away from it, mate. Since just 2015. <laughs> Since 2015. It's been five. It's been six years. And it he's was been... even mentioned recently 
You know, someone asked him recently in an interview, and he said, "Oh yeah, no, that's we're still going to do that movie." It's like, really? It's a movie that's rooted in the '80s. You can't. Do you know what I mean? You, you, it's going to be difficult to 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 redo it unless you do it completely differently. And if that's going to happen, then I'm out. <laughs> with a believable with a believable cast, right? I mean, because The Rock wants to play Jack Burton. Yeah, yeah. If you put The Rock in that movie from the '80s. This movie from the '80s. Does he need Wang? Does he need Egg Shen? Can he just no. go up to David Lopen and squish his head, you know, and then be done with it? <laughs> and would he take the piss out of himself? Would he do what Kurt Russell did and play the useless hero? No, no, he no. wouldn't. You know what? It it probably will be if if it ever does come to the screen. It would probably be number one at the box office uh, just because of his name. Because um, he's always drawing a crowd. I mean, shit, him and Jumanji. Oh, yeah, no doubt it will do. A, it'll be a hell of a lot more successful than the original Big Trouble in Little China. Um, but I just, I just, I just leave it be. <laughs> leave it be. Um, but I don't want to see it happen. I honestly don't. I'm not that keen on the the idea of an Escape from New York um, remake. Lee Wanell doing it it's a different thing if he does do it Lee Wanell who did Upgrade and who did The Invisible Man um, I think is a great director and, and really gets Carpenter and I think if he did it I think it would be fantastic I don't know who I'd want to see play Snake um, Jason Stahan well he mentions Wyatt Russell who's Kurt Russell's son who's kind of looks and sounds like his dad and it'd be interesting to see him play Snake Pliskin. I think you and I both have fond memories of Big Trouble in Little China. Um, oh, for sure. Do you own it? Do you own... Uh, oh, I've got it. I've had it. Every copy that's came out over the last... You know, from the Laserdisc to... Uh, I even had the vinyl soundtrack of, the, of it. Um, because we have to talk about the the theme tune as well. So the, mm-hmm. the obviously Alan Howarth um, did the music with John Carpenter as probably their third or fourth, maybe fifth collaboration at that point. But also John Carpenter's group, the Coupe de Villes, who have a tiny moment within 1978's Halloween um, with like a kind of rock and roll song played in the background. Um, but they did the main theme on the on the closing credits, Big Trouble in Little China, and that's the name of the song. The music video for it is something else. It is fantastic. To see John Carpenter at the keyboard singing, uh, uh, sorry, on a guitar singing, and Nick Castle, who's the shape, Michael Myers in Halloween on the keyboards, and Tommy Lee Wallace on the bass, who's the director of... It and Halloween 3 and big long-time Carpenter collaborator. The three of them dad dancing to this song is fucking hilarious. It's just weird to watch. It really is. You should check it out on YouTube, everybody. Big Trouble in Little China, main theme, Coupe de Ville's. I have a Coupe de Ville's album, actually. It was never released, but you can actually get it on YouTube called Waiting Out the 80s, and it's awful. (laughs) <laughs> it's not a grammy winner it's it's awful i mean i love nick castle and i love tommy lee wallace and john carpenter but put the three of them together making music it's a band that they had since their college days their their album is is atrocious <laughs> it really is it's, it's the worst thing that. carpenter's done i remember that theme you know at, at the end of the credits 
you know, and I, all of a sudden, you know, you, you hear this little rock and then I hear this voice, big trouble. Hey, little China. You know, that, that, that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And me, my friends. We got used to... big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, little China. Big trouble. Hey, little China. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> but the video is a great watch. I mean, in fact, I'm, I'm going to put the video on the Facebook page just so people can see these guys' dad dancing like their life depended on it. Jeez. It's fucking great. This <laughs> yeah. is probably one of the first things I heard from John that he's not repeating in every fucking movie he makes. Because yeah. it's always the same fucking song or the same tempo or everything. The only thing that the other movie that he made... That uh, along with, uh, I don't think Alan was with him. Uh, in the Mouth of Madness, it was a heavy metal, mm. hard rock opening. You know, I met him once, and I had him sign. My mom asked me to have him sign the Elvis movie VHS cover, and he oh, was wow. like, "He was like, holy shit!" He goes, "How old are you?" And I said, "Well, it's for my mother." <laughs> and this this frown came upon him. He's like, "Oh, yeah, that would figure." And he just signed it, and he just. Slid across the table and wanted me to leave. <laughs> have you have you ever watched Elvis? I liked it. You know, Kurt Russell. It's you know, good. It was, yeah, I mean, it's it, long. It's yeah, it was long, but um, you know, the TV movie. You know, it broken up. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. I think he's a good Elvis. What were some of the things, really quick, that John wanted to do with this movie? Do we know? With the big trouble, D- do we know what he wanted really to do? Was it a twelve-week shoot or something like that? I think when you listen to the commentary, Kurt Russell always compliments John Carpenter on on his vision and knowing exactly what he wants to achieve. And what he also said was that he always feels safe under his direction because he always feels trusted and like John Carpenter has confidence in that he's able to do what he wants, which kind of feels nice. And I think a lot of that's down to the, the uh, Kurt Russell's background at Disney you know he was he was trained by disney and and you know i think their uh, work ethic and everything is 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 of a real high standard and so he's not this kind of prima donna on set or anything like that which it would have been as he would have been in the 60s where when he was trained so he's kind of kept a lot of those traits and the two work well so well together fox fox did fox have that much meddling in this movie that pissed john off or do you think john was already pissed at studios um, was this the I nail think, in the coffin? Yeah, I no, I th- I don't think that he was. He loves being independent. He loves being his own. Yeah, yeah. They because uh, they really fucked up the thing. Uh, Escape from New York was 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 okay at the box office. The thing wasn't. Christine wasn't great either, and Starman mm. as well wasn't particularly great at the box office. And so at this point, I think that he just had it with the studio system. Um, and, and particularly with, as you said, Big Trouble in Little China put the tin hat on it because they really underspent on the marketing. I mean, you can't spend three million marketing a, a movie, not even in 1985. No one's going to hear about it, you know, with the cost of TV advertising and things like that. That's the size um, of one New York bus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just think that after that, he decided to go his own way. Um, with things like They Live and they were all independent productions but studios picked them up after the fact Mm -hmm. 
Um, so there was no meddling or anything. You know, he wouldn't have had to put that bit on the beginning of Big Trouble in Little China if the studio wasn't involved. Or, um, but there was also the the ending was kind of there used to be an extended ending. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on the DVD on the Blu-ray. So mm-hmm. the guys that kidnapped Miao Yin at the start of the movie in the airport. When we get to the end of the movie and they break out of Lopan's factory, um, they spot them in the distance and they're parked up on the side of a dock and Kurt Russell has got unfinished business. He drives over there and he rams the back of the car and the, and the guys go off the dock and into, um, into, the, into the sea, basically. It doesn't really add anything to it. You've kind of forgotten about those guys at that point anyway. You just assume that they are part of... I kind of thought, oh, perhaps they died in the melee that happened in the factory, you know? So, yeah, so they cut that out. They also cut a kind of longer exchange between... Actually, an exchange between Egg Shen and Jack Burton at the end um, as he's leaving, which I thought was quite nice. But, um, yeah, they seem to leave that out. It also cut out a bit, whereas... Burton notices a load of slime on the back of his truck and he kind of puts his fingers in it and rubs it around and that's the first kind of um, clue as to the monster being on the back of his truck when he drives off at the end but again it doesn't need it because it's quite a nice surprise that it jumps out at the end anyway you should should have took Gracie with him I would (laughs) (laughs) I would have done. Get a nice little uh, uh, yeah. cabin of just enough for two. <laughs> Barking like a dog. <laughs> was it howling like a dog, wasn't it? Yeah, how, or, howling like a yeah. dog with the, the, the smell of jock straps and, 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 and socks. <laughs> I think we could both say, you know, at closing that we, this movie is, is top of our cult list. You know, yeah. movies we can watch all the time. Uh, it's, it's great pacing it's great fun it's great action it's lines are memorable the, the the characters of the whole cast are memorable what movie can you say uh, that is like that besides you know like Halloween and, and I don't even remember all the, the characters from the thing but I remember you know all the characters from Escape from New York um, and, and Big Trouble Little China yeah I'm proud to say that I've, I've owned this and anytime there, there's there's a new edition that comes out with more which I don't think they can even I don't think there's ever going to be I think it's done um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to, I'm proud it's in my collection of physical media yeah. and, and you know we just we forgot to mention as well Dean Cundy who was the DOP mm-hmm. on the movie and they uh, clashed on this movie <laughs> actually no they did this they really is the, this is the movie that actually they clashed in every movie this is the movie that actually brought them back together as and they became friends again Okay, I never knew that. Yeah, they they fucking wow. hated each other. No, they they just <laughs> they just disagreed. You know, I mean, I mean, who are you going to ask? I think Dean is uh, an award winning uh, cinematographer. You know, <laughs> and what has John won besides you know free packs of camels from his giveaways of cutting out scanned barcodes and sending them in, <laughs> you know, for free packs of cigarettes. <laughs> So the upshot is no remake. We don't want a remake. We want Carpenter and Russell to get back together, and we want one last swan song from them. Doesn't have to be a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. Just something that just puts to rest the fact that Escape from LA isn't 
their final collaboration. Please, make it another horror comedy kung fu movie, Street Fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have something from those two. What do we got going on next week? So next we are going to delve into werewolves. Ooh. Yeah, we're going to talk about like werewolves. werewolf movie. Yeah, we do, we do. We've talked about American Wolf in London before. We might talk about it a little bit next week because you can't not talk about werewolves and not include that. But yeah, there's there's quite there's there's not a great deal of werewolf movies out there. To be fair, you know, you compare it to something like slashers. There's you know, oh, they're ten a penny, but werewolves they're a little bit more harder to come by. Werewolves are kind of a lot of the time are peripheral characters rather than being the main star. So yeah, so we're going to dive into that. I'm not quite sure which titles yet, but we'll think about it over the next week and uh, and come up with something good. Yeah, and then we may have another little uh, bonus coming up too. I think we're definitely going to do a bonus. Yeah, we're going to do it. While we've got the time during this pandemic and all this snow and God knows what else that's going on, I think we'll, we'll maybe look at some of these fun little 30-minute quick-fire challenge Frank and Darren episodes which we've uh, we've done two so far so um yeah maybe we'll do a few more of those and just before i forget as well if you want to reach out to us we've got a facebook group which is growing quite nicely uh, just search the slaughtered lamb movie podcast facebook group and also we have a youtube channel now which we're starting to put the new episodes on there we're not going to put all the back catalog on there um, but just the, the series two episodes are going up on there at the moment. Go over to YouTube, Slaughtered Lamb Movie Podcast, and you can you can listen to the the podcast on there as well as all major podcast platforms. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us, the email address is tslmoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Any suggestions, thoughts, any critique, any um, you know hate mail, just send it through, and we'll try and get back to you. And as always, stick to the roads, and the best of luck.